podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Right everyone, it's episode 178 of GigPod, so I this is really episode 178, it wasn't last week, was it Rizzo? It was actually 177, that's the only time that will pull him up for that in this episode, but I'm Stevie, and yes indeed I'm joined by John, there's no jokes apart here as such, we're going to get right into Kilmarnock 1 Celtic now, it's a result that puts us out of the League Cup, and it's our first defeat in that competition outside of Glasgow. In 20 years. Rizzo, do you know the score the last time we lost outside uh, Glasgow? And what Celtic player who was playing that night is now a member of staff at the club? Hello, everybody. Uh, hello, Steve. I do indeed. It was Hibs 2, Celtic 1, Easter Road. A game live in Channel 5. Unbelievably enough, Channel 5 used to cover uh, Scottish football. And it was good old JFK, John Kennedy. It put us 1-0 up and we ended up losing 2-1. So we played better that night than we did yesterday. And that Celtic team was a brilliant team that beat Barcelona that season and set all kinds of records and winning the double. This Celtic team might not do that. But yes, that, now that shows though that League Cup def, League Cup defeats can still, can still have a good season. So hopefully that's the case for Celtic. But we'll just need to see. Do you know what? See in the notes, I've actually got Stan Varga is scoring in that game. So am I wrong? Because of course you can be wrong twice in one episode, could you, John? It was. G- I'm sure it was JFK. Uh, it put us one 0 up, and then we somehow managed to lose two one to a not very good Hibs team who lost to Livingston in the final that year. By the way, but no, I'm sure it was JFK. Maybe, maybe it was Vargan, and, and we're both wrong. I'm just. Uh, I'm just checking here. The listeners are going to love this. It was Stan Varga. Oh well, I was wrong. I thought, uh, yeah, again, second podcast in a row, I was wrong. It was actually Stan Varga, so apologies for that. So, in fact, we were both wrong because we both thought it was JFK. It was actually Stan Varga, so there you go, listeners. Sorry about that. I said to you that what member of staff was playing that night. That's what I said. I didn't say it scored or anything, but do I just talk about the Kilmarnock game, John? Should we just skip this part because this is turning into a bit of a dodge, as always with you? It's nearly as big a dodge as Celtic's performance yesterday. Now that is satire. It's also bloody accurate. Everyone listening to this will know what we're going to be talking about pretty much the rest of the episode. We're not really going to have a look at the St. Johnston game until maybe uh, later on in the week. I think we've really got to talk about this game yesterday. And uh, You know, it's been over 24 hours now, John, since uh, we were dumped out of the cup. Good tabloid part of there. But what's your thoughts after it like I know yesterday you weren't even fizzing mad and when I've been speaking to you today you've been a bit more wound up but I don't think it's necessarily just the fact that we get beat it was more how avoidable that was John and you know in the last few weeks me and you have spoke privately maybe not in the pod but we have said that early on in the season there's going to be a right bad result because we'll get into this one a wee bit later I think the overarching theme here is the fact that when Brendan Rodgers came in in the lead up to this game yesterday, John, we we never actually put ourselves in the best possible position to start the season off well, and now we're finding that yet again, classic Celtic have been very reactive over a drama yesterday. 
Well, I've said it all along, off pod and I think on the pod as well. Of course, I don't listen back. My ego's not that big. But we've, nothing we've done is nothing we've done has made sense this summer, transfer wise, and that's really came back to bite us now. There's lots of injury issues. There's an injury issue we'll talk about later on. There's the fact that we're trying to change the system of play, which I think is a mistake. But basically, you're right, and just as you know, I never get wound up, Stevie. But I mean, uh, yesterday wasn't a surprise to me, and I said that to you because I don't think we've played well at all in the three games a season. Well, rope is anything. First two minutes against Ross County, I thought we well, were poor against Aberdeen last week. It was a good win because it's no easy to go there, but I don't think we pulled up any trees. And I thought yesterday we were garbage. And yes, I know, of course, we did get cheated by Alan Muir. And I'm going to get, no doubt, uh, criticised for this. But I actually didn't think the penalty decision at the end was that bad a decision. I mean, we've had a lot worse against us. The bit, the, bit, the worst one was when Greg Taylor got elbowed. That arguably could have been a red card. And of course, it was he was off the pitch when Kelly scored the goal. But I don't really want to concentrate on the referee. That's, that's loser talk. And we didn't deserve anything for yesterday and no we've, we've put ourselves in an awkward position as usual there's been no reason for us to do it except typical Celtic inertia like we always do and as you like the next uh, 10 11 days are just going to be ridiculous because we're going to have to rush like mad into trying to find the players we want to sign that should have been bought long ago and it's all well and good Brendan coming out after the game yesterday and saying we need quality but well, qualities were out so we need quality again well, Brendan is here that could have addressed that long ago. I'm not just blaming the board for this, as I'm sure everybody loves to do. Brendan's to blame as well if he's not happy with the players that the board are recommending and wants to maybe wait and sign guys for England. We know he loves signing guys for England. So we've put ourselves in a ridiculous situation, as usual. It's not a good timing at all, especially when you consider we're playing Rangers in two weeks. But no, I mean, you're right, really. We've, we've managed to make a... a a mess in the summer and the start of the season and it cost us yesterday and we fully deserve to get beat and a, a proud treble that we won last year has been removed in August. Well, what a turn up for the books. See yesterday John in the game and I think me and you both came to the conclusion after Matt O'Reilly get put through by a brilliant Kyogo pass and he's powed up off effort right at the goalie. I think that was our only shot in target. I don't know if Kyogo's one with the goalie saved with his legs was going to be getting in or not, um, but the one that O'Reilly get put through on in the first 10 minutes or so of the game, that for me was the moment where I went, right, if we're not going to take that type of chance and we're going to just waste it, Kamarnock are going to get confidence from it and I can just see them flooding that midfield so that that doesn't happen again and John, we never created anything else after that and I think when I'm watching a Celtic team this season, I've not seen an actual identity and I don't know what it is we're trying to do. Like You're just seeing such slow, laborious football. Now, it's like Brendan Rodgers has applied his 20... And we already know, right, John? He loves possession-based football. He's always been that type of manager. Back in 2016 when he came in, he just loved keeping a hold of the ball, right? But what obviously went in his favour was, for a start, I'd say the league was far weaker as well. Let's get real here. Rangers were an absolute mess. Um, the closest challengers, and I say that very loosely, was Aberdeen. Uh, I believe Hibs weren't in the league at the time. Hearts were at the worst. And they just got that guy Cathro in, and he was a disaster. And generally, the rest of the league was just shambolic. Mark McGee was in charge at Motherwell. And what Brendan got right there was the fact that he did have wingers who were quite clinical. He had a, an outlet up front in Moussa Dembele, and that 
you know, even in games, John, where, you know, at Celtic Park, free-flowing football, we were batting teams, but away from home, when things weren't going to plan, guys like Dembele, like, you know, defenders were just bouncing right off him. And then in midfield, uh, it's Scott Brown doing all the dirty work, and then you had Callum McGregor, who was a real goal threat. And it got to the point that in that first season with Brendan, at the back, he didn't really need to worry about the defence anyway, but he had two very competent fullbacks. Um, I'm actually saying very competent. That's about a disservice to a guy like Kieran Tierney, mourning him later, and also uh, Mikael Lustig as well. So look at the players that he had at his disposal. So he could afford to play that possession-based football because in the last third, he would have players who would just explode right in their life. The transition, we're watching that, those 2016 tactics now in the world of 2023 when players are fitter now, they're better organised. And, you know, at the start of the season as well, that's when teams like your command looks your Ross Counties and everything will look better because they're coming off pre-season. Um, they're just, you know, in the same fitness levels as most teams. And that's before injuries and the or the other competitions and the patterns will get off everyone else in the league has caught up with them and that's when we start playing these teams in October November they're a bit demoralised and you get more joy against them but the real drop off in the style of play John like it's very noticeable it's not just me and you having a moan here for the sake of it and Barton Brendan and just having a wee greet saying oh we want Ange back and everything but I don't think he's playing certain players to their strengths, like Greg Taylor, that's an obvious example. I don't think Callum McGregor's getting the protection in midfield, and then you've mentioned before with Kyogo that he's having to do a lot of work just to actually then get supplied by the wingers. Like he's having to drop into midfield and link up play, as opposed to the fact that he was just getting constantly fed by the wingers under Ange. So I think my big thing is there's no identity in this Celtic team at the moment. I'm not panicking because I think there will be one. It's going to take a bit of time, but at the same time as well, um, I'm not slightly concerned at the fact that we're in this stage of the season. Brendan doesn't know what he's doing with certain players and we're now sort of rushing at the last minute to get in. I would say three or four quality players join and that's not going to be easy because the first thing that's going to come to players' mind in the now, especially in this stage, is money. The game's massively changed to the point that you look at less fanciful leagues than ours and yet a lot of quality players join are still wanting to go there. I had a playing for Celtic and competing in the Champions League and I say compete very loosely there of course but I'll let you take over. Well, I agree about the wages but for once I think there's no excuses. We even released a statement, don't forget, to the stock market a couple of months ago, seeing we've got more money than we thought with that much money to spend. So, okay, wages is a big factor. But I think, I don't know. I really don't know why we've been so sloth-like in the transfer window. Maybe as Brendan wanting players, especially for England, that's something I saw on a forum earlier, that he's wanting these players and he's not moving on to the other targets that Celtic are recommending. But we'll talk more about it later. The style of play... It's just boring. And I mean, okay, we may have been spoiled by Ange Ball to an extent, and look at what he's doing at Tottenham already. I thought they were absolutely brilliant against Mangu the other night. And that was Ange's style of football. And obviously, Brendan wants to change that, but he's changing it for the worse. And it was so Brendan 2017, 18, 2018, 19, when the centre-backs were passing it back and forth to each other non-stop. Yesterday it was so, so boring. Nobody was making a run. McGregor, who we're going to talk about later, was coming to get the ball off them and there was tons of commander players in front of him. And we just looked clueless. And I know he's wanting to change 
Kyogo's position to make him more of a sort of false nine. And okay, it's worked to an extent. He scored a couple of goals this season. When we were when we were looking for that equaliser, though, and Kyogo was on the wing, crossing the ball into the box, that was the bit that annoyed me most about the game. It was so pointless. I mean, none of our guys were going to be in the middle. Were going to be able to beat the huge centre backs. Commander had it was pointless. And the only time I know Greg Taylor's been getting tons and tons of stick, and rightfully so because he's been rubbish this season. Let's face it, the both fullbacks have been rubbish. The only time we really looked dangerous was when Taylor was went into the middle of the park and started making the passes, which he did constantly under Ange. But I don't know if Brendan actually wants to play those inverted fullbacks or no. And I, I just. The fact that he's tried to rip it up, I think, is a mistake. I think he should have adapted more Andrew's style. I'd have, I'd have played Kyogo in the role he had last season as the number nine. No, that's false nine. It's worked to an extent, but it doesn't suit him. It didn't suit him yesterday. I think we need to try and go back to inverted fullbacks because playing Ralston and Taylor as not natural fullbacks is just going to end their confidence. It's not going to work at all. So he has to find a happy medium his own tactics and and just tactics, because these players are used to playing and just football, and I think making them do too much too soon isn't going to work out, and it didn't work yesterday, and I don't think it worked real against Aberdeen or Ross County, because I thought we were poor and for large parts of both of eight games. So it'll be interesting to see what he does, and I don't think it should be forgotten that there's a lot of fans that don't like Brendan because of the way he left. And okay, maybe a lot of people should say, I'll grow up and go over it. But a lot of people won't like him. And you can understand why, because the way he left Celtic really was pretty bad. So they'll be thinking, hold on, that's us at the League Cup already to come on. Look, then, in two, then I don't want to go look ahead to that much, but then in two weeks, of course, we're playing Rangers at Ibrox. And as it stands now, unless we make big signings, I can't see any way we're going to win that game and we could easily lose it. So that'll be two massive black marks against Brendan early in the season. So he really has to get this sorted, him and the players, to find a solution. And if that means leave the board today, what they want to do to buy players, as long as he agrees with them. But him and the team have to work together to find a solution to this. Because if the performances, if we keep playing the style of football, we're going to get more bad results because teams will just sit back. We'll look clueless to break them down. I mean, I, I just at the minute, I wouldn't trust a select team to go to Tight Castle or Easter Road or Livingston. So man, we're going there soon. So, no, the, the players and the manager really need to find a solution to this and they need to do it quick. When I look at that squad, now, I'd say it's bloated, but it's not a mess. And we're going to have to get that together, right? Bringing in quality players, but we, we can't have so many of these average players sitting on a bench either. Near we can, because, like, you know, yesterday when you looked at that bench, and I said to you before the game that, you know, if, if Kyogo's gubbed by an injury or... Uh, for Riley goes off, like, realistically, who's on there to change that game? We were crying out so much for pace yesterday to the point that, you know, even for the last 15, 20 minutes, I was like, you know, throw Burnaby on them. Come on, just set up so stuffy. They flooded the midfield, as I said. All our wingers kept doing, just getting to their fullbacks and just passing it back the way. It was like the entire game, I thought, a bit of injection of pace for Burnaby. He's a bit of a wild card, isn't he? I thought we'd maybe see that, but no. When you're looking for a game changer, um, and you're looking for pace to be injected into the game, he brings on David Turnbull, and I was on here just a couple of weeks ago, and I think Turnbull deservedly kept his place against Aberdeen for his performance against Ross County, and that was all good against Ross County because it's at home, big wide spaces to take advantage of, and Ross County also were demoralised, tired after the 
penalty decision that we got. And I think Tumble really does suit playing at Celtic Park in those types of games where he gets a lot of space because he's a slow player, it takes a lot of touches. Cal McGregor, John, was just, he was man marked throughout that game, but any time he got the ball, come on, players were like on him. In a second, he had no time whatsoever. Matt O'Reilly was just completely anonymous. Home, who was talked up against Aberdeen. Again, I'm not going to get on his back too much because I think um, he deservedly did start. Didn't impress, but I don't think anyone at all in the team did yesterday. Point being that it was just the wrong changes that were made by Brendan during that match. And after Kilmarnock scored that goal, and we'll talk about that goal in a wee second, John, but after they did score, we both said, we are beat here, we're not going to come back into it. And yes, we don't want to sound like losers, but I did think, looking back on it, now it's weird when you're watching these games, I sometimes just actually don't watch the replays, or don't watch any follow-up that happened, because I'm speaking to yourself after the action, the ball goes out of play, and I'm not going to watch fucking Kelly uh, celebrating a goal. I actually did miss, um, during the game yesterday, that elbow, on Taylor and Taylor's off the pitch when Kilmarnock scored the goal and yesterday I did think to come back to your penalty point I haven't seen a four of the contact it definitely was a penalty but see when I was watching it again during the game I was just like nah that's, that'd be a soft one for me but on reflection yeah I'd definitely say it was now obviously I'm not going to come out here blaming referees because Celtic have only got their Celtic blame for it but what was your opinion. I know you've already mentioned about the penalty but you, you wanted to talk more about that elbow on Greg Taylor without making excuses. You're just looking for a bit of consistency but I thought at the very least it was a yellow card. Oh definitely it was I and I don't know why I did Val looking at it, I can't really remember I think they probably did it for about a nanosecond but no that was the biggest issue for me that definitely should have been a yellow or a red and really we, we knew it was going to happen when good old uh, Derek McInnes came out before the game whining about a penalty they didn't get in the semi-final league cup last year. You knew that the chances of the referee getting us a lot were going to be probably slim and none. And that's what happened. And penalty decision at the end, I've seen them given, seen them no given. For me, it, it does go down as one of the worst ever decisions against Celtic. Like I've seen people ranting and raving about yesterday, both had a lot worse against us. And in a way, and this makes me bad, I'm relieved we didn't get the penalty because if we if we'd go that penalty, he'd scored and then won an extra time, but they're just papered over absolutely gigantic cracks. So, I mean, the referee was rubbish, but then referees are always rubbish. And we get, for reasons unknown, of course, wink, we get uh, a lot of bad decisions against us, but there, what can you do? But no, I mean, the, the worst one was that that elbow, that should have been a booting at least. So, no, I thought the referee was poor, but I'm not using that as an excuse. That's... The, I'm not using the pitch any excuse either. I mean, I mean, when Rangers done that and the other fans done that, everybody was laughing. When they beat Al-Kill a couple weeks ago, so no, I'm not using that as an excuse either. There's no excuses, we're just, we're rubbish. The referee was rubbish and Celtic were rubbish. Well, what a great day all round. John, I think we should always be looking to improve and where we're talking about bringing in quality players. Like if I rhyme off some names here on the Celtic squad, I mean, there's absolutely no doubt that it's completely bloated and it does need trimmed. And when you look at, you know, Yuki Kobayashi there, three are goalkeepers I don't think are good enough either. Anthony Ralston is unfortunately going to be a part of Celtic's team for this season. Sorrow's not departed yet. we still got James McCarthy there, although I think Brendan did say that he was going to be likely on the way out. Mikey Johnson's still there. He's injured. And also as well, we've got a Yeti in that squad. It, it's a, it's, as I say, it's not a complete mess, but... You need to get these guys off the wage bill so that you can bring in proper quality. Um, and you kind of get to the stage, John, where you're just hoarding 
average players because look what happened yesterday. We've got so many average players that the guys that were on the bench come on and they make no difference. We didn't have a player on the bench yesterday that, you know, last season at times, John, when Kyogo went off, you had O ready to come on as well, you know. And if Aaron Moy wasn't starting, you know, look at that game against Rangers in the semi-final. He came on, made that massive difference for us as well, so he did. And it was games two that Jota didn't start. He comes on, uh, changes the game for us too. There's, there was just no game changers on that bench whatsoever yesterday. There was no quality on that bench. And before they had to get big players out, so we have. So do you agree with the fact that, of course, we need to get players in? But it's also, I would say, critical that we get rid of at least three or four players there that I mentioned. Yeah, but I don't think getting rid of those players who are, for the most part, squad players should have impact on us being able to buy quality players. But the squad is too big. There's a lot of players that you didn't even mention that I think could go like Awata. I know you like him, but I think he could bring his way out. You mentioned Kobayashi. The goalkeeping situation, we've talked about it endlessly. It is poor. It wouldn't have shot me if at least, well, if Segris left. But I mean, if another goalkeeper came in, I doubt he'd be first choice. Like right now, probably still stuck with Joe Hart, unfortunately. I think McCarthy will be leaving soon. Soro will be leaving soon as well. A Jetty, who knows? He's probably got no inclination to leave, and I don't believe him. We give him a ridiculous contract. It's our own fault. So, yeah, the squad is probably too big, but getting rid of those players shouldn't they have an impact on us. We're able to sign good players. And don't forget the transfer window does shut next week, so I don't think the next the next the next ten eleven days are going to be well the next two weeks of course because we've got the game against Rangers. I think that's going to that's going to be telling about Celtic this season if we're going to. I know it's early days, but I think the next two weeks I'll, I'll maybe decide if we're going to have a good or a bad season. And that's how big it is for us. One of the players who's been big for us in recent years and has contributed so much to our success has been Callum McGregor. And I think me and you have talked him up. Um, on this podcast and, you know, away from it. So often, John, uh, pretty much every game, especially under Ange, but I th- I'd say a lot of people are saying, you know, they, they, they visibly noticed Callum McGregor dropping off yesterday. And I think if you were just noticing it yesterday, then without sounding patronising, you've not been watching us properly this season. Against Aberdeen in Ross County, Callum McGregor wasn't his usual self as well. But if you go beyond that too, under Ange, I would say his last good performance was probably the game against Hearts. Uh, in March in the Cup when we won 3-0 I would actually say that's when many of those players that season uh, put in their last great performance other than the 5 nothing win over Aberdeen in the last day and I know this is where me and you maybe come to a disagreement here but I have said to you for years I remember me and you were talking about Callum McGregor back in 2018 I think it was or maybe it was 2017 no, 2018, and I think Celtic put out this tweet and they said congratulations to Callum McGregor for playing something like 58 games in a season, and they made such a big celebration about it, and I remember thinking, that's mad, that's just reckless and irresponsible because he's going to be suffering for that later um, in his career. And I personally think the fact that he's been burned out by Brendan in the past, and Ange last season as well, and I thought he did well for Scotland in the, in the games in June, but he chose only to have some like three weeks off and then he was right back into pre-season again and I just thought that was the wrong move because what you're seeing now is Cal McGregor looking jaded, he looks knackered. It doesn't help with the fact that the manager's not giving him protection in that system and he needs to be addressed really soon. And 
we did say before this game against Kilmarnock that you know if you've got somebody solid along uh, an international pro alongside um, Cal McGregor, such as the J League Player of the Year in Tomoki Awata, completely disagree with the fact that um, he should be sold. I think we're mismanaging him, but we don't know what happens behind the scenes there either. But I think if you've got Awata next to him, provides a lot of composure and solidity, and I think Awata has proven time and time again, certainly in midfield, that he can actually stand up and be counted and he can battle as well as play football. So I think if he had him at some point alongside McGregor yesterday, it would have been easier for him. Didn't happen and we've seen basically that the systems failed Callum McGregor, but I also do feel that the years of constant games, the lack of rest that he's had and the general mismanagement from like Ange and Brendan towards him has contributed to that. And I know that you disagree with some points of it, so I'll let you have your say. For me, Cal McGregor, the opposition have worked to how to nullify him and we can't fix it. And unbelievable enough, the guy that worked to it was uh, Michael Beale, that great manager who everybody always laughs at and slags. He put a man on him and man mark him and every other team have followed suit. And his game's just no been the same since. He can't find the space, weak, and he ends up getting the ball back to the centre-backs and he ends up dropping back, we we can't work out now how to get the best of him. And really, he's let a man down, really. When when his man, Mark, gets somebody on him, he's let a man down for us. And if I'm being honest here, we're always honest in GigPod, we don't lie. I drop him, because I think he's playing terrible. I think just the fact that he's the captain, like the main guy, he'll never get dropped, he'll rarely get subbed. And it's it's getting to be a bit like Scott Brown, I know in the COVID season, because I think Scott Brown was done then, I think it's more under Ronnie's season, where he was un- ineffectual and poor, and everybody thought, well, he should just retire. And then, of course, when Brendan came in, Scott Brown was a player of reborn, and he was he was just fantastic. And Cal McGregor has been a very good player for Celtic. I take your point, I think all these games that we bragged about on playing has caught up to him to an extent. But he shouldn't, he shouldn't he'll be, be nullified last. Like that's partly Celtic's fault and partly his fault. And I think he's just playing very poorly. I mean, I don't think a is ever going to be a regular for us. I know you like him, but I mean, I, I just can't see it. I mean, I, I don't even think he'll hardly feature for us this season. And I wouldn't have shot him if he left in January. We'll probably keep him, up, keep him this month. But no, and I mean, Cal McGregor the day, I think we better talk about this. He, he compared the game, he done an interview today, and he compared the game yesterday to the the 1-0 defeat to Livingston and Angers first season, and I'm not having that. I mean, that was a Celtic team that genuinely had to get rebuilt. They were in chaos after blowing 10 in a row. Ange had to bring a load of players in. He'd only been at the club for a couple of months. He was implementing his style of play. We'd already won a couple of games 6-0 and sparkling football by then. So no, I'm not having that. This Celtic team shouldn't be taking so long to adjust to a, a different style of football. And then I don't think Brendan, as I said before, should have adjusted it so much. So, no, I, I don't, I'm not really, I don't think they are the best comments from McGregor today. But he's just playing really, really poorly. And I don't want to talk about it again, because obviously next week we'll do a big preview. But I'm just not looking forward to seeing McGregor play Ibrooks. I just, it was poor there last season. Now, can he see it changing this season? And really, I think it should be dropped but it'll never, ever harm in a million years. He's the main man. We gave him this five-year contract, which just is far too long for a guy that's 30 and played so much football. And it looks like he's on the, the downswing in his career. 
for Celtic, I mean, I bet for Scotland, uh, if we get to the Euros, which we probably will, I bet he's one of your best players. But I just, I just think he's he's unfortunately verged into Scott Brown under Ronnie that Ronnie territory, and that is a good for the player off for Celtic. Hopefully, he can prove me wrong, but we'd need to change the system for that, and maybe sign a midfielder to play alongside him. I don't know if that's on the agenda. A million players we need to sign in the next week and a half, but no, he's playing really, really poorly, and. Yesterday was one of his worst games for us, probably ever. He was that bad. I think the way you fix that, John, when you watch Cal McGregor play for Scotland, he has got Ronald, he's got like McTominay around about him for the solidity, but you know, McGinn is constantly harrying and chasing everything, and it gives Cal McGregor affords him space to pick out a pass. I think he needs that for Celtic too, but we need an athletic midfielder, a ball winner. Certainly, a ball winner certainly for Europe, but domestically, we need a really athletic, mobile midfielder to run with the ball carry it and it means that other defenders in the opposition who are looking to sit back and just defend and sit in against a Celtic team they're basically committing more than one man onto this mobile midfielder that we badly need so that McGregor can then get the space to hurt teams but the thing is we were screaming for that though at the start of the season like we said after Ross County we're needing that type of player because even Ross County were passing through our midfield at times and creating a lot of opportunities and I'm not saying it's it's like a, a glaring panic that we're in or anything or a major problem at the moment, but it does need to get addressed. If we let that fest on continue, we're not going to be successful this season. I just want to also say a couple of things where you were mentioning Angel there, John. I remember when Angel came in in that first season and we were critical of some aspects of um, of his system, but you could see there was an identity and you saw that what the players were, were actually trying to do. We did create plenty of chances, but... You know, we're just giving away stupid goals and we hadn't got the players in yet. Hopefully, you know, this coming week we're able to get these players in that Brendan's needing so that whatever he's going to be doing with the system after the transfer window, these quality players that we're aiming to get in can actually play a big part in that. When Ange brought in Jota, CCV and Gigi on the deadline day of 2021 and it was no surprise that after that, that's when things started taking off. Um, when we beat Aberdeen and these players started jailing after that international break. John, another thing I wanted to talk about was this pitch at Kilmarnock. Now, Brendan already had these moans about it yesterday. And I think a lot of our fans have had their moans about it in the past as well. But last season, Ange went there, played offensively. We won 5 0 there last season and then 4 1. And we were like 4 0 up after half an hour or so the second time we played and if you look back at most of the goals that we scored at Rugby Park last season it was all just very quick football other than like a few set pieces as well but the majority of the goals very quick and that's what you're yet to see from the Celtic side what are your thoughts on Brendan moaning about that pitch though do you buy it no but I think it will be an issue for him because he's got it in his head and he's never had good results at Rugby Park I mean we're playing Livingston next month I think he's never won at Livingston as a Celtic manager, I think he'll make a man he's twice here, but he's never won at Livingston. We were terrible at Livingston, and then of course the last couple of times we've been there, we beat them comfortably. So I think it's an issue more for Brendan, and I think it's filtering its way down to the players, because I think he probably must say to them all week, I'm guessing, about how the pitch has got to be a big factor. And unfortunately, we've made it any a big factor. I mean, as you say, last year we scored nine goals here. So no, to, to me, that's just an excuse. We we, we, we must be looking at ourselves here more on the pitch. I mean, if we do that, if we do that and we need to go to Livingston twice this season, I think Kilmarnock once in the league, we'd be as well just 
drop them on like drop them nine points here because if if we have got this new ridiculous phobia about plastic pitches, then we'll we'll, we'll be just blowing the league basically. So no, it's it's not it's a lot of nonsense to me. Brendan really has to has to go over it. It's a crappy it's a crappy pitch. I think they're getting rid of it. And they'll not have it next season. So the, the results at home will probably fall off a cliff next season, come on. Because I think the pitch is a big reason why they, they get so many good results. But no, it's, it's, it's a get out from me. The Baron making his debut as well yesterday. Bit of a ropey first touch for him when he went past the ball with Joe Hart and conceded a corner for come on. Look. But you know what? I didn't think he was great yesterday, but no, nobody in the team was. Uh, I don't think there was any pass marks whatsoever. And again, that type of match for him, you really kind of judge that type of performance from him. Similarities, though, to Carol Starfelt, who I know you want to talk about, and I'll let you have your say in a wee minute on him. But yeah, Starfelt was a major miss yesterday. You know, the amount of times that even in the last 15 minutes, that boy Vassell uh, was just bullying our centre-halves. I think he was bullying our entire back line, but Starfelt, for all his critics... Very good defender. I don't even know who is going to be the first choice alongside CCV out uh, Norotsky and the Baron. Whoever it is, John, they're going to have to adapt very quickly for the games coming up, especially with the fact that supposedly Norotsky could be out for a few weeks. Unconfirmed, but there's a lot of rumours that he's going to be out with a hamstring injury. Yes, thanks to that good old rugby park pitch, no doubt. Well, that would have played a part in it. No, I'm not. I'm not going to really say much about the Baron because it's far too early to judge him. That wasn't a a good debut at all. And let's face it, I mean, he probably wouldn't have played if CCB was fit. Yeah, if Naroki is out for a month, it is just another very big issue. Liam Scales will probably need to come in for the cold for Saturday and going forward if CCB's no back. And yep, just don't cast after. We never really like said farewell to him. Because I think he's departure confirmed when we were only doing a pod that week or something. But no, he was a great player for us. Like, don't forget, him and CCV only lost one domestic game together, and that was in extra time against Rangers when we had an injury crisis at centre on the fullbacks, and like Stephen Welsh and Ralston were playing at fullback, and that didn't help us. No, I think Carstaffer was a very underrated player, and I think. In years to come, people see just how good a player he was for us. I mean, didn't he lose a single league game when him and CCV were playing together? How good is that? It was a him and CCV were one of your best partnerships in a long time, and I just hope that the Barons half the player Stafford was. If he is, he'll be a he'll be a good signing for us. But no, Carl Stafford was an excellent player. I'm not sure, man. I I can't believe that Liam Scales, who's going to come in for nowhere and could start the next couple of games for Celtic. And if he can get help us get six points, he'll turn into a, a Celtic cult hero overnight. So only time will tell. Yesterday we asked everyone who follows us on Instagram, have a rant, have your say, and we will mention as much as we can and get through your questions. Hopefully you understand that if we didn't get through yours this time, we'll try for next time because we did not expect that amount of questions. We really didn't. So I thanks to everybody for the engagement, but... Try to keep up with that yesterday was murder. More murder than the game. And um, before we come on to that, John, just really quick one for you. I was speaking in the chat earlier with unnamed individuals that you've definitely had a drink with recently in my company too. And they were saying that generally this season, there has been a strange atmosphere around the club ever since Brendan's came back. It's sort of fed onto the pitch. I mean, there could be even better managers than Brendan Rodgers coming in and they wouldn't have that rapport. 
that Ange had with the with the fans as well. But certainly a few people in the chat were saying that they've detected that, you know, in the stands it's just been very there's been a malaise there. Uh, it's been quite underwhelming, you know, just watching Celtic in general. I think it's maybe the transfer business that we've conducted this season. And even when you look at Brendan's comeback, it was very low key, but I also think it had to be. Uh, I was putting that to the guys earlier and they're still of the opinion that we're basically suffering um, a hangover from Angel even. What is your take on that one? I, I don't know anything about that chat you're talking about, Stevie, because I'm no in it. But uh, yes, and thanks for the invite. But yes, I know the individuals that you're talking about. And yeah, I mean, there's there's no togetherness that there was under Ange. That was, that was a big thing about Ange, how everybody was in it together. And I mean, okay, it probably was. There's a lot of talk, and it was because he left us at the end of last season, after going on and on about how committed he was to Celtic and all that. But there was a, t- a togetherness there that I think isn't there with Brendan. And, I mean, even going back to Brendan's first press conference, which I missed because I was in Manchester, I mean, there was only, like I think, ten, very few people outside Parkhead. When you compare that to the thousands that were there the first time, I mean, obviously it's a di- different situation because of the way Brendan left. But no, I mean, I think that the, the the unease about Brendan coming back is a lot to do with it. The fact that, as you say, the transfer business just hasn't worked out. But the fact that Jota left as well, and we'll probably maybe touch on Jota a wee bit later on, and the fact that he's probably leaving his team in Saudi Arabia, which is very strange. The fact that we're having to replace such a key player seven weeks after he left is also playing a part, because Jota was a great player for us, and... That move came out of the blue. There wasn't even like tons of rumours throughout the season that Ojota's going to leave. And most of all, the performances have been poor. Okay, we've won our first two league games, but the performances have been ropey as anything. I mean, we've not kept a clean sheet this season. Every area of the team looks poor. And I don't think I'm exaggerating. Every area looks poor. Probably with the exception of Kyogo, who's still a good player, but I don't think we're getting the best of him. And if you compare that to how... The team looked so solid under Ange. Like, you knew who was going to be in defence mostly. You knew who was going to be in midfield most weeks. Up front, you knew it was going to be Hyogo, Jota and DM for the most part. I think the fact that the team are playing poor has, is the biggest factor. And as I said before, that result wasn't a, a 100% shock to me. With how hard Kamala made it for Rangers, with the way McInnes has got them playing, the fact that we've got injuries, we've got this new weird... System we're trying to implement as they working. No, I think there's a lot of things, but the biggest one for me is the fact that we're playing poorly. I mean, if we've seen a couple of big name signings in the next week, then that may get people sort of excited again. But I think, like for example, the atmosphere on Saturday, it's never great for a game like St. Johnson where you're expected just to help hump them. But I think the atmosphere on Saturday is going to be absolutely terrible. And we'll both be there, but fun. We'll need to go and get drunk after it to try and forget about it. Oh, I'd be silly not to. <laughs> This is a bit of a challenge for you now. I'm going to ask you some questions that our great uh, followers on Instagram and listeners to the podcast sent in. And if you can give quick fire answers, that would be appreciated. Please don't go on a tangent and just keep it brief. Can you do that? I will try my best. SE250 has said uh, we were bullied and the new players looked extremely naive. Agree or disagree? No, I, no I'd let them away with on that one. Especially the centre-backs. I mean, that was a first game together. It was difficult venue to go to, unfortunately. No, they didn't look naive. It was more of a culture shock for them, I think. No, I'll let them away with that one. Cara McLaughlin, 88. She says she doesn't get why Rogers doesn't seem to fancy Iwata. 
She'd be interested to see him in the six, which is where Callum McGregor is playing and playing poorly. And I agree with that. I'd like to see it. But I don't think we're going to see it, are we, John? McGregor will never be dropped. No, McGregor will never be dropped. And I just can't see a white being a regular starter for us. I think he'll probably leave within the next 12 months. And I know that would make you very upset because I know you're a big fan. Scott Crow, eight, big fan of the show. Great guy. He's just asked... Why would Brendan rip up such a successful blueprint for players like Greg Taylor? Infuriating. Do you see Greg Taylor playing as an inverted fullback again for Celtic under Brendan? Well, he was for part of the game yesterday, and that was the only time he really created chances. No, because I don't think that's what Brendan wants to do. And unfortunately, that is the only style that suits Greg Taylor at Celtic. And just playing him as a normal quote unquote fullback isn't going to do him or us any favours. So. Unless Brendan decides to revert back to that, then no. I can't see him being inverted fullback, and I can't see him being in the Celtic team, or even at Celtic this time next season, if that's the case. Okay, Will Hogan, 67, no relation to Hulk, says, Ange didn't care about pushing the board to get what he wanted, whereas Brendan won't because he's pals with the board. Do you agree or disagree with that? Mm, no. I think it's probably more the players that Brendan wants. I think he wants guys that... I think him and the board have agreed to look for some players and he's trying to hang on and get them. But the board may want to go for other options. I, I don't think it's anything about him being pals with the board because I'm sure Ange ended up being pals with the board by the time up until he left. So, no, I, I don't think it's about being pals with the board. But then, as we said constantly yesterday, why did Brendan come back? We, we can't really work it out, so... No, I wouldn't say he's pals with the board. He's, him being pals with the board is because I think it might just be Brendan being very picky in the players that he wants. I think that may have more to do with it. Daniel McEwen thinks that we might have rushed uh, bringing Brendan back. We took plenty of time with finding Ange and it's almost as if we took Brendan right away because they wanted a replacement for Ange ASAP. I think we needed to get a manager in ASAP, to be honest. And look, things aren't working right now. Doesn't mean it's going to be that way for the rest of the season. I think it's undeniable to say that Brendan was, on paper, the best man for this job. Yeah, we we, we, had, we had to get him in right away. And I think it was like two or three weeks and after Ange left that Brendan got the job. No, we had to do that. I think the big surprise, though, is that after the, the talk at his press conference about how Europe was a major aspect to him coming in, we've done absolutely nothing to make the team better in Europe. In fact, the team looks even worse getting into Europe for this season, so... No, taking time over it wouldn't have worked at all. No, that would have just made things even worse if that's if that's somehow possible. Kevin Hickey, 89. Don't need to answer this one, John. He basically says that there's no identity. Uh, everything we make fun of Rangers for lacking, you know, we showed the same today. I'm going to um, dispute that because Rangers have an identity. It's disgusting, it's turgid, and it's something I'd never want to see in a Celtic team. But they do have an identity, and it's hoofball, and that's what they do. Just get the balls out to their fullbacks. Cross, cross, cross. Nothing but chaos ball and feed off the second um, ball, basically. That's what Rangers do with us. I don't even know what we're trying to do, John. But yeah, it was just interesting that Kevin Hickey, 89, uh, brought that up. Um, here's one <laughs> Here's one for you. Please keep this uh, to a minimum, right? I know that we're uh, running out of time at this point. We've went past our usual half hour. Liam McNamee, uh, Maeda launching that ball on the break in the 85th minute. I lost it at that. John, me and you both just messaged each other going, what the f- I, I don't know what he was doing. I mean, that's, that's the sort of player he is. He's, he's not started the season very well. I, I, I don't know what he was doing, but 
him and a bad, I guess they were very, very ineffectual. They two together on the wings just need doesn't work at all. But no, that was that was a low point and a day of many low points for Celtic. Right, and the last one out of the three hundred odd comments that we got in is from Celtic Basic, who says we are not winning the league this season. I personally think um that's far too early to hit out with that type of thing. What do you think? Um, I'm not as confident as I was before the season, and that's not just because of yesterday. That's because of the, every minute I've watched us play and I've seen every minute, unfortunately. I don't know if I'm going to win the league, to tell you the truth. I think it all depends on what happens. An awful lot depends on what happens in the next two weeks and the players that we sign. Our injuries, like players returning for injury as well. So, no, I, I don't, I need to be honest, I don't know if I'm going to win the league. So, as we end this one here, undeniably, uh, we need to get in signings and we've said together that we need a new goalkeeper, which the probability of that is like less than 1%. I think we're going to stay with the three that we've got. We need a left back. We need a jot replacement left winger. I would say we need an athletic mobile midfielder who can carry the ball and also a striker that if Keogh goes injured, we can rely on. So that is, I would say, realistically, we need four players in in the next 10 days before that transfer window, as the cliche goes, slams shut. Do you agree with those positions? And is there any players in particular you wanted to talk about, such as Kieran Tierney or uh, a certain Jota, who there's been some news about today? Well, yeah, I think we need four or five players. Will we make four or five signings? I have my doubts. I think we'll make a couple, but I don't think we four or five. Well, Jota's apparently leaving his club in Saudi Arabia. So, because they're going to be signing quote-unquote players that are of a higher standard, that are bigger names, obviously, and cost even more money, and I think three players of his team are going to be leaving, so, and he's one of them, so I don't know, if there's any way we could get Jota back, that would just be incredible, that would give the team a massive boost, I mean, I have my doubts, I think he'll end up going to a team in Portugal again, or a team in the Premiership, if they get any sense, we'll get him in, I don't know, maybe a team like Tottenham, what a reunion that would be. And yep, Kieran Tierney, there's constant speculation about him and Arsenal are just about to kick off against Crystal Palace and he's not in the squad at all. He's not involved at all and they've got injury issues at left back as well, but he seems to be out of the picture completely. Obviously, if Tierney came back, it would be a loan deal only because we couldn't afford his wages. I'm sure he'd like to come back. If there's any way that we can do it, we really should. Normally, I'd be wary about it, but we had issues at fullback. I don't think we can turned down a play like Kieran Tierney get his name right, even for a season so it'd be very strange if we managed to sign Jota and KT both on loan in the next week but uh, and I can't see it happening but it would give certainly give us a boost anyway so I think oddly enough that out of those two, Tierney's probably the more, more realistic, even though it's going to take, I mean Arsenal been very helpful if we're going to get that deal done. So we'll, we'll just need to wait and see. But I think we'll probably try and get Tierney anyway. But we'll, I'm not sure if we'll have. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Watch this space, I suppose. I don't know. It's not confirmed, but just got a few messages in. Uh, it's saying that that Podens guy from Wales, uh, the deal with him is off. More good news, John. Well, I think that was mostly speculation. But AI, eh, it's just getting better and better. For- Oh dear, I'm I'm sure it will get better, but it might take a while. Right, well I suppose you better go and watch your beloved English football, Monday Night Football at Selhurst Park. You would never miss it, so listen, thanks to everybody for tuning in. Uh, yeah, 
nearly an hour for this episode. I know it's past our usual half hour, but don't think we could um, speak about everything we wanted to uh, in 30 minutes. That would be impossible. We'd just be getting through some of your comments on that. Hopefully, well, we'll certainly do a reaction on Saturday. Will we get it? That's another question. Really hoping we will. But hopefully we're back on Thursday or Friday for a wee St. Johnston preview. And who knows, we might have signed a couple of players before then to talk about, John. But I have my doubts. Yeah, I think that's a wishful thing. So, yes, thanks, Stevie, for joining me on this epic podcast. We had to do a long one, though. I mean, the situation demanded it. And, yeah, we should be back doing a preview of the St. Johnston game uh, later this week. And then we'll next week there'll be a, a Feaster podcast because there's the, the St. Johnston review, the Champions League draw next week, don't forget. The transfer deadline, a preview of the Rangers game, no doubt. My goodness, it's going, it's going to be... It's going to be ridiculous. But yeah, thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks for all your questions. That was uh, great that we got so many questions. Over 300, that's unbelievable. That shows that the fans are sticking with GigPod for yet another season. So thanks to them for that. You can catch us in all the usual podcast places. You know by now where to get us. You can catch Stevie on Instagram and on threads if you're still using that at GigPod. And yeah, once again, thanks for all your questions. That was very welcome. So we'll be back later in the week with a St. Johnson preview and who knows, hopefully we'll be discussing some new signings, but when you hold your breath. Thanks to everybody for listening and hail hail. Podcast Network.